Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve. And you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, and reviewing podcast. Oh, I'm playing and doing other things. Oh, yeah. Anything you want to do with a guitar, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Even the dirty stuff. Gross. I know, right? We were just talking about zucchini. Let's not talk about what we were talking about. <laughs> that's, in- <laughs> that's inappropriate. So, last episode, we said we were going to have a guest this week. Uh, that didn't pan out. Uh, we're going to have to push that back to a later date just as uh, scheduling conflicts didn't work out. But we are going to have that guest at some point. Someday. And some other guests, too. You know, we were always looking for more guests. I wrote Mark Marin today. I was like, hey, you can be a guest on our podcast if you want. Like, I can't force you. That will be our one explicit episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get the explicit sticker for that one episode. Yeah. Because he's just going to say the F word over and over again. That's what he does, right? That, that is what he does. Just over and over and over again. He's never going to come on our podcast. Dude, but what if? I mean, yeah, what if, but he's never... He doesn't have time. He's crazy. He's he's, he's going to invite us to the garage. We're going to be on his podcast. He makes a TV show and has a crazy active podcast, and he's a comedian. I'm sure he does all kinds of other stuff. His podcast is just people sitting in his garage and looking at his cats. Yeah, that's true. But still... He's he's a busy guy. He's got all his cats. Yeah, cats keep you busy, right? No. <laughs> well, they maybe should. Maybe they maybe in his case they keep him busy. So, is there anything new we want to talk about? I don't think I have anything new. I mean, I did a demo review of my fuzz. Do you, I, do you still have it? I do. It's on my board right over there. I did that for the for the mini episode. Oh, I see. Past it. week, I see it from here. I'm still loving it. I played it on Sunday at church. Yeah, and uh, I used that thing about fifty percent of the time, which is probably about forty nine percent more than I've used any other fuzz <laughs> at church. So it's it's a real good match with a band. I uh, I don't know if I'm going to get it in the mix with my surf band, uh, just because I don't know if I'm going to use that sound. Maybe I'll write it into a song. It's got a real like it's pretty versatile and like the low gain is like. It's very destro- like a very destroyed tone, but yeah. still very usable. Yeah, it it feels like it's. I think the best way I could describe it is emotionally. It's a very happy sounding fuzz. Like there's some fuzzes that are very dark and right. like kind of brooding sounding. This this fuzz sounds like a happy summer day picnic. You know. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's by the way, I haven't mentioned it. It's a it's a Earthquaker Devices dirt transmitter. Yeah, and I got it. Uh, I got a pretty good deal on it on on eBay. If you haven't listened to the mini episode, quick recap: good deal, Earthquaker Devices dirt transmitter. I like it. That's the recap. <laughs> that was almost longer than the episode. I know, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Should we uh, just get straight into ads? Yeah. Awesome. Let's yeah. do it. Uh oh yeah you you pick you take the first one so uh so this got submitted um you know what in this stupid thing Google Drive it doesn't actually tell me who submitted this oh you know I put it in the title yeah I know but when you click on the picture the title goes away it's Matt uh Severson oh, okay so this is Matt from Matt Severson sorry if I messed up your last or Severson or whatever. I should know because I'm listening to your podcast, Paperback Rocker. That's a good one. Um, but I don't remember. Um, but this is the Alice Cooper and Kenny G signed Fender Stratocaster pit guard. 
It's rare. <laughs> yeah, that's rare. <laughs> Alice Cooper signed this first in Tacoma, Washington, before his show at the Emerald Queen Casino at a hotel nearby. Then Kenny G signed it next before his show at Jazz Alley in Seattle, Washington. Kenny has signed close to where the knobs would go, but you can get cl- clear, transparent knobs to solve that problem if you should decide to attach this pick card to a guitar. Or you can simply frame it up with a photo or two uh, in a frame. Alice and Kenny are good friends, and they can be seen golfing together at different events, such as the Michael Douglas and Friends Celebrity Golf Tournament. Their other golf buddies include Martin Sheen, Sly Stone, Joe Pesci, Andy Garcia, James Woods, Dennis Miller, and Michael Douglas. Isn't that just like the cast of Goodfellas? I don't care who their other friends are if their other friends didn't sign the pit guard. So this makes it a little more rare than just with Alice on it. Alice is signed in blue permanent marker while Kenny is signed in black permanent marker uh, onto a pearl luster white Fender Stratocaster. Three ply uh, pit guard, 100% authentic, original hand signed by Alice Cooper and Kenny G. Golfing buddies, thanks, Tom. <laughs> this was on eBay. This has a buy it now of two hundred and thirty dollars. Um, I love that this guy's connections for these two musicians is that they're golfing buddies. Yeah, that's so funny. This is actually a better ad than I originally thought it was. Because it's a great ad. Because I didn't when I first saw it, I was like, this is dumb. I didn't realize how like incredibly stupid the description is. Um, <laughs> I actually commented on the group uh, that this pit guard would be worth more if you got some acetone and got rid of one of the signatures. Yeah, definitely Kenny's. He doesn't even <laughs> play. He doesn't play guitar. That's true. That's I mean, true. Does, I'm assuming Alice. I don't think Alice Cooper plays a guitar either. But at I don't least think he he's... does on stage. But I'm assuming he probably does for writing songs and whatnot. All I know about Alice Cooper is he's really knowledgeable about Milwaukee. <laughs> that's that's really like poignant for what we're going to talk about with the topic. <laughs> it is. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, you know what? I would never pay what he's asking for this. What he's two fifty? Two? Yeah, two thirty. I, I don't would, know if there's shipping. I would never pay that for this. Things like this. You know, even if it just had Alice Cooper on there, I don't think it's worth Oh, that. shipping is free, and you can make an offer, Ryan. So if you don't think it's worth 230 you can always offer 200 Here are the conditions under which I would want this. If I was the one to have been there to right. watch it get signed, and then I would hang it on my wall with a picture like I'd find the like the craziest, creepiest picture of Alice Cooper covered in blood with a snake wrapped around its neck. <laughs> and then just below it there would be a picture of Kenny G soft lit with, you know, just the saxophone with like light glaring off of it, with his hair flowing in the wind. Like just the juxtaposition of those two pictures next to this pit guard framed and I would hang that on the wall in my living room and every person who would walk in would be like, what the hell is going no, what on? What you got to do is you got to, you got to have those two pictures then either like underneath or above the pit guard, have a picture where they're both in like their golf duds doing like a double <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. I just completely ignore the fact that they're musicians and just completely tie it back to golfing. Like maybe even, you know, mount the pit guard in a frame but then also have some golf balls in there. Like get one of those like like picture frames that like 
you can put stuff inside of. Given the connection this guy makes and these the pedigree of these two musicians, I'll call them musicians. Uh huh. That's fair. Oh, they are musicians. Yeah. Uh, I won't make any singer jokes right now, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's almost like given the connection, it's like why didn't you put this on like a Titleist golf ball? Yeah. And try to sell that for two hundred and thirty dollars. This guy's so stoked about the golf connection. You you'd think that he like met up with them on a golf course and was like, oh, Alice Cooper, Kenny G, uh, sign something for me. Oh, what do I have? What do I have? Oh, here's a pick guard. Sign yeah. this. Where yeah. did you get the pick guard? What's going on oh, here? I just carried it around with me. <laughs> oh, it was just in my golf bag because, you know, you, you might need it. Yeah, to mark your spot. <laughs> I used the, I used the, uh, the pick guard to dig out uh, divots. That actually, I've never thought about this before, but using a guitar pick for like a ball placement... You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. So, so in golf and when you're when you're putting, if your ball is sitting in like someone else's in the way of someone else's ball, uh-huh. you put down um, a ball marker, and it's usually like classically, it's like a coin or some kind of like token type of a thing. Okay. Um, but actually, a guitar pick would be like the perfect thing for that. If you've ever seen uh, Happy Gilmore. Which doesn't really tie into our topic necessarily. No. no. Um, the Happy Gilmore's caddy is that homeless dude, and he puts down a Ritz cracker. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that scene. I don't. I haven't uh, seen that movie since it came out. Oh, man. You're missing out. Yeah. Or I you're not. So. I don't know. Anyway, uh, what's the next ad? Okay, I'll pull it up. Uh, I'm going to talk about the fish tank, right? Yeah, the fish tank. So this is an ad... That came up on our local Craigslist. Uh, did you find it or did I find it? I think you found it. Yeah. Okay. So it's for a pedal board and the pedals that are on it, but everything's you know priced out individually, obviously. But the thing that really caught my attention is that the pedal board is made out of plexiglass. And it looks like pretty heavy plexiglass, but it's got you know some damage on it. There's chunks broken off on the corners and stuff. And then there's a second picture that shows this thing lit up with blue LEDs and it just looks like bright, like the brightest blue you could imagine when it's dark. And this guy did a little write up down here. I'm going to read it. Pedal board just used a few months, but got broken. I have repaired it, but the damage is visible. Plexiglass with blue lights make offer was hundreds of dollars to make, but hoping for $75. This is a crazy project. Yeah. Someone got it in their head, probably this guy or his friend or whatever. Oh, man, it would be so great to have a plexiglass pit guard because then finally I wouldn't have to look at a a pedal board. I could see straight through the ground in in between my pedals. And I could see, you know, it'll look like one of those telephones from the 90s where you can see the guts in there. It's kind of a neat idea, but I mean that that it... The at least the pictures, the execution looks really sloppy. Like this looks home built, not yeah. in a good way. Maybe if the guy took some pictures of like that were closer up or like underneath the board or something. Uh, but the fact that he says like it's already been broken and he put it back together. Plexi is more delicate than people think. Yeah, especially if you're taking it on a stage and it's getting bumped around and you're stepping on it and stuff. It's fine. For windows, it's fine as fish tank material. Right. You know, that stuff is static. You're not moving it around. You're not bumping it into things. It has protective edges on it. A pedal board like this? No. 
it's not a good idea. And I feel so bad for the guy that he spent hundreds of dollars making this. Right. That's crazy. Like, there's so many good pedal boards you could get for hundreds of dollars. No, I know. And it, and the LED thing is, I mean, it's a neat contact, uh, concept. But at the same time, it's like... You know what you do instead of that? You get... You go and you take your money over to Salvage Custom, run by our good friend Daniel Tyak, <laughs> co-host on our last two episodes. You know, good friend of the show. You go over to him and you say, build me one of your pedal boards, but make the top plexiglass and make it so that it's recessed so the edges are protected. Right. He'll do that for you, I'm sure. I just, I don't know what this guy's end goal was. You light the whole thing up. Everyone in the front row is blinded. Yeah. Um... Or everyone in the front row is just like distracted and they don't pay attention to your songs because they're just mesmerized. Well, by maybe you need them to board. not pay attention to your songs because your songs are awful. <laughs> and you're like, I need to distract people from my awful songs. I'm going to put this big blue light right in their eyes. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Um, it's just, I, the idea of putting LEDs in a pedal board is definitely something I've thought about. Uh-huh. Um, and actually, as I was going through like ideas for uh, the Gorm board, um, I, uh, if you look up like Gorm pedal board, one of the first images that comes up on Google image search is somebody who bought the Gorm board, like the Gorm shelf uh-huh. from Ikea and the Ikea LED strips yeah, and like put them together to make a light up Gorm pedal board. So, you know, if you put your LEDs in appropriate positions and like you think out your LED attachment process, you can light up a pedal board pretty well, no matter what it's oh, made totally. out of. It's not going to be as uh, see-through as acrylic or as plexiglass, um, but it's still going to be like a really cool idea. Um, this thing just looks like somebody had a had an idea and executed it and spent way more money than they should have on it. Uh huh. And then when they realized, wow, this idea is stupid. <laughs> Now they're trying to like just recoup whatever yeah. they can, which I mean, let's be honest, I've done that. Like I, yeah, totally. I bought parts. Me too. I've bought parts guitars. Uh, I've bought parts for guitars, and then realized I don't have time for this project. This was a bad idea, and just said like, what can I get for this? Like we all take our losses on our weird little projects sometimes. Yeah. But this guy, unfortunately, has taken pretty decent loss. Yeah, if he really paid hundreds, which still seems really weird to me. It's totally doable uh, with, with, if you're paying for plexiglass. Yeah, like, I've never shopped for that stuff, but I don't know why. I mean, it's plastic, right? Basically. Yeah, it's acrylic, but it's it's it might not have even been the material, but paying someone to cut it cuz you can't just cut it. Oh. Like you can't take a knife to this stuff. You've got to take it to someone who's got a plexi cutter. Uh, I used to work for a printer and we would like, we printed like huge stuff for right. like, trade shows and stuff. And you would mount these prints to various types of materials and acrylic was one of them. And we had a giant thing for cutting down plexiglass and acrylic and it was a pain in the ass. And every now and then uh, you would mess up a whole sheet of acrylic because of how it would work, you know. That's no way, like, no. Like you'd be cutting it, and all of a sudden you'd crack it because you're right. supposed to like use this hyper sharp razor that's mounted in this giant piece of equipment, and if it gets you know bent a little sideways or something, then all of a sudden you get like a stress fracture in it. 
See, this is all information that I actually didn't know. I just thought I could take like my my saw that I just bought from Harbor Freight and <laughs> cut this stuff up because <laughs> uh, I've never worked with anything like this. Yeah, so. it's it's kind of temperamental stuff. Like if you if you're doing it right and handling it right, then it's you know then it's great for what it is. But it's got to be handled in the right way, or you're gonna make, right. you're gonna make big expensive mistakes. So maybe this guy spent hundreds of dollars doing this because he he did try to do it himself the first time right. and completely ruined all his materials and then did it again and had to pay someone else to cut, oh. them, cut stuff up for him. I right. don't know. Uh, should we move on to the next ad? We're buzzing through ads pretty quick. I know. We're, uh, we're blowing this up. Um, this is, I think, from... Is this from Tim? Tim Ballant? Um This is the machine gun guitar with active pickups. $200. It is from Tim Ballant. In Visalia. It's from one of our Central California people. There's uh-huh. like three or four of them that are active on the group. Um, so this is a machine gun guitar made by Glenn Burton. AK-47 electric guitar with Seymour Duncan blackouts. Active guitar pickups installed. Great action and playability. This guitar is a head turner. Live tested. Sounds amazing. $200 OBO. Text only, please. Um, first off... Uh, so Tim found this on Amazon and I guess the model was the GE 47, uh-huh. but now that I look more closely at this, this isn't an AK 47. This is an M 16. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> big difference in guitar yeah, yeah, guns. Yeah. Completely different ammunition for these two guitar guns, <laughs> uh, between the, uh, AK 47 yeah. and the, uh, the M 16. So first, uh, first thing that there's right off the bat, there's a couple things wrong with this guitar. Sure. First thing is the price is way off. Um, sure. You can get this on Amazon, brand new for 170 bucks. Brand new on Amazon. This is 170 bucks. Um, but that doesn't have the pickup upgrade. Oh, was a pickup upgraded? Yes. Now the one that is on Amazon is camo, while the one that yeah. is being sold in Visalia is black. I mean, it doesn't really matter what color this guitar is painted. You're never going to be able to take it to an airport or a school. <laughs> <laughs> so your travel costs are going to go up a lot oh with my this guitar. Gosh. That's awful. <laughs> um, yeah, this is 170 new on Amazon. I mean, if you were to just go like straight costs uh a set of seymour duncan uh blackouts installed is probably another i don't know 150 bucks yeah i don't know why anyone would put a 150 dollar set of pickups into a 170 dollar guitar though because metal yeah metal i guess um but these i mean at 170 bucks this can't be a great playing guitar you can't you i I can't imagine you pick this guitar up and go, oh, you know what's wrong with this guitar? It's definitely the pickups. Yeah. There's got to yeah. be like major neck issues and fit and finish issues on this. Uh, the the shape, you know, if you like the shape, if it's part of your act or whatever, I get it. I understand. Maybe you're shooting like a music video that's got, you know, hunting theme or something. or <laughs> Like you've got like a, uh, you've got an army themed band. Right. That's cool. Right. I get it. Whatever. Maybe you're Ted Nugent and you you're you want to hold a guitar and a gun at the same time. Oh my god! I get it, uh, but this is not a high end guitar. No, this is a novelty guitar at best. 
This so, is a hilarious guitar. I cannot imagine that this thing plays well. Let's ask this question. Would you play this guitar at church? It depends on which church. I think there's churches where this guitar would be right at home. <laughs> no, not, I mean like at, our, not, at not, our church. No, I don't think I would play it at our church at all. Not without a gold <laughs> sparkle finish. <laughs> would you play this guitar at the Celebrate Recovery meetings at church? Uh, they might They might be into it. Um you know, I, I, we would be. I would probably be fine. Everyone at church would probably be fine with me. They would, everyone there has been pretty uh, accepting of all my crazy shaped guitars that I bring in. The, right. Even the SG, even though it's got devil horns on it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Our our pastor used to be a drummer in a hair metal band, so he gets pretty excited about this stuff. Uh, but I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's not my jam. Yeah, it's I'm a, not, it's a unique thing, and it's it's there are certain you know when guitar designs are original, even if they're based on things like you know, um, was it when Gibson did like the Futura, and even I think want to say maybe even the Explorer, like the idea was to kind of to hit that like big uh like late 50s yeah car look like the big uh what do they call them like the fishtail well, sort think of they're thing they're trying to do atomic age you know like rocket exactly ship stuff, exactly you know? they're trying to make guitars that would end up on the moon with like, yeah you know, and so that was kind of the Buzz inspiration for these for these concepts but they took a concept and they they came up with an original design right just saying oh my concept is machine guns i'm gonna make a gun that or a guitar that looks like a machine gun like that's not right really in a like an original design application it just like that's where your design goes from being like all right this is a weird design but it has its like redemptive right qualities to this is just a gimmick yeah totally and i think there's ways like if you were some kind of crazy movie director like oh, if yeah. you were like a guillermo del toro or you know Quentin Tarantino or uh, Robert Rodriguez or something like that, and you wanted to have a character in your movie, maybe, what would this be? Desperado 4? Is there a Desperado 2? Yeah. Wow. Well, if you have to count Desperado as the number two. Oh, okay. Because there's one that is a... Uh, yeah, yeah. There's one that's like an independent film that that predates it. That has a different actor as the main character, but it's the, supposed to be the same character. And then there is a second one. And right. then there's, isn't it Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Maybe. Yeah, I know is what you're talking about. One? I think the first one was the Mariachi. I think it was. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, uh, so if they ever made Desperado 4 and there was a character who had a guitar that was a gun, it would look totally different from this. It wouldn't look like a, a gun that happened to be a guitar. It would look like a guitar that had like gun parts sticking out of it. Like right. think of like a movie prop. It would be what would look cool. It would be like some kind of like great big hollow body. Yeah. With like a clip sticking out the side and a trigger where the whammy bar is. <laughs> and like maybe not a clip, maybe it'd have like, you know, like a machine gun chain coming out the side of it. Maybe the whammy bar is the clip. Oh yeah, maybe. Or this, like that stabilization bar that's on some guns or something, or right, yeah. Right. And there would be a sight on the neck, 
like really inconvenient for playing but we're thinking way too hard about something <laughs> this is like the dumbest thing we've ever we're talked about we're trying to think of how to make a better gun guitar <laughs> yeah this is pretty dumb what are you looking at steve's looking at his phone uh it's nothing important okay yeah i think i if i was given this guitar i would probably keep it around and i probably would refinish it and try to do something crazy with it right and then when I realized that I was never actually going to play it, I would get rid of it. <laughs> you know, there's got to be like a bunch of people that just have this guitar on their wall. Oh, totally. And I mean, at the price, you know, it's it's a novelty guitar at a novelty price. There's some guy who was in like a pop punk band or in like some high school metal band who thought this was cool. Sure. That's, that's the only reason they got it. I could see freaking like Tom Morello busting out one of these ironically. Yeah. He would like paint the headstock red so to make it like I got this machine gun guitar, but it's a toy machine gun. Right. And right. then it would say like something about something political paint. What, what spray he would do on. is he would put an American flag sticker on it. Oh my gosh. And then he would put it upside down and then he would cross it out with like a red cross. So it'd be like this upside down for disrespect and then red cross is a double negative. Doesn't Wait, that thought, mean that he likes America? I don't isn't know. Isn't the upside down flag just that you, the nation is in distress? That would go along with Tom Morello. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, this is going to feed into our topic. You know Tom Morello is a major Trekkie? Uh, I did not know He's that. He's in a, like a bunch of episodes of like... Or, like, he's in one or two of, the, I think, the Star Trek movies as, like, an extra. Really? And he's the in... The recent movies or older movies? Like, the 90... Like, the, I want to say, like, the late 90s. Like, the Next Generation movies. Whoa. Um, so, he is Trekkie. Yeah. And I forget what else he's in, but I guess, like, that was a big thing. And I think he's been in uh, a handful, like, maybe two or three of episodes from different, like... Huh. I don't think he was in the next generation, but maybe like Voyager or Deep Space Nine he was in. Interesting. Uh apparently that's like a one he's into that stuff. So that would have been more along the time frame of like the height of Rage's popularity. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they probably would have been like, Yeah, Tom Morello, he's a big musician. Yeah, bring him on. Well in. it's like it, and like I said, he was an extra. He was just in the background. Sure. He wasn't it's not like people were watching it and like Tom Oh, there's Morello, Tom Morello. Tom, oh, there's Tom Morello. It was like he it was something from what I understand that he contacted them. Was like, guys, guys, I would really like to be in Star Trek. <laughs> How awful would it have been if Star Trek had just completely jumped the shark, and there would have been an episode with Tom Morello in it playing a space guitar? Oh my gosh! And he's like, yeah, I'm like a this anti political space rocker. There was Based a- this whole episode around this. Oh my. God. <laughs> I'm always carrying my space guitar around with me. This reminds me of, of, uh, ah, never mind. <laughs> okay. That I was done. So the reason that this brings us into our topic, however, is, uh, we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about music movies and guitar movies. Yeah, music movies. Uh, well, we're, let's set some ground rules. We're not going to talk about documentaries. We're going to talk about theatric movies. Yeah, there have been a lot of really good documentary documentaries recently. Oh, uh, yeah. It might get loud. Muscle Shoals, uh, Sound City, I Sound heard is City really good. Is excellent. Uh, those are the three that I see mentioned the most. 
Um, but we're not going to talk about those because we kind of want to talk about other things. Oh, totally. We want to talk about entertainment movies. Yeah. Not that documentaries aren't entertaining. And what kind of kicked this off is, well, actually, Steve and I have been talking about this since day one of starting the podcast. Like, yeah. Oh, let's talk about music movies. Uh, but it, we got kicked back into it because our guests drop out this week. And so <laughs> we had, you know, a void in our topic. And uh, Phil sent us a phone message talking about the time that he met Peter Weller. Peter Weller. And Peter Weller from the movie Buckaroo Banzai. You mean Peter Weller from the movie Robocop? Also Peter Weller from the movie Robocop. You mean Peter Robocop. Weller from the movie Star Trek? Yeah. Peter Weller from all those movies. He was in Star Trek, right? I have in, uh, I'm not going to say no, because it sounds like you had confidence in your voice, but I don't remember what he w- did in Star Trek. I'm pretty... Yeah, he was in Star Trek Into Darkness. He was the bad guy. He was the real bad guy. Oh, the new Star Trek. Yeah. I was thinking back... In, I, my gears were still back in the 90s. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the new bad guy. Yeah. Totally. All right. <laughs> so let's... Uh, we're going to play this phone cl- yeah. uh, message. I mean, and... and Phil didn't just send us one phone message. He had to do two of them to make it fit. So it's six, mes- it's six minutes of phone message from Phil. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you understand, Phil. I'm going to have to do some creative editing on this. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to end up being. You but- know what? Don't edit it. Just play it at 1.5 times. <laughs> Double the speed so he's a just chipmunk. Like, just, just play it like... Fat, like so, play it doubles time, so it's only a th- one three minute message. No, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do some creative editing to get to kind of the core of it. Right. Uh, it's it's a fun story. He he meets Peter Weller in a restaurant and basically gets all flustered. Yeah. Uh, and Don't give away the ending. <laughs> there's an exciting twist that you just won't expect. <laughs> Uh, so enjoy this phone message. Hopefully I can figure out a creative way to edit it down. <laughs> if not, uh, see you in six minutes, guys. Yeah. Hey, guys. This is Phil Eisenhower, longtime listener, first-time caller. I'm calling to tell you about the story of the time I met Peter Weller. I was on a date with my not-wife, but future wife. And we were at the Arclight, which is a movie theater in Hollywood. And we were um, standing in the lobby. They have a actually have a restaurant and a bar in the lobby of the movie theater. We're staying there, and, uh, you know, it's Hollywood, and we were like, oh, what if we're seeing anybody famous? And right as we were talking about that, I look across the restaurant, and I'm like, that's freaking Robocop. That's Robocop. He's sitting at that table with a bunch of people. That's, oh, my gosh, it's Peter Weller. That is Robocop. My wife says, you got to go talk to him. And I go, no, 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 I can't, I can't. I'm, I'll say something stupid. And she says, no, no, you'll regret it if you don't. So I'm like, okay, you're right, you're right. And then she goes, okay, well, wait. We should talk about it. What are you going to say? And I said, okay, I know what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say I loved you in Robocop because that's what everybody would say. I'm going to say I loved you in Buckaroo Banzai because nobody would say that. She's like, that's that's perfect. So I walk over to the table. Now, he's sitting at one end of probably, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 people all in suits. I'm assuming it was like a production meeting for some future project. As I'm approaching the table, he's like waving his arms and he's like super engaged in conversation and they're all leaning forward listening to him. 
And I turn and look back at my wife, and she's like, yeah, do it. So I keep walking, and I just walk right up to the table. He turns and looks at me and says, can uh, can I help you? And I go, uh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I turn to everybody, and I go, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt. And I look back at um, my, my buddy Pete, and uh, I say, Mr. Weller, I just wanted to tell you I'm a huge fan, and um, uh, I I love your work, and I just that's I I, I want to tell you I want to tell you that, and um, and that's it because I got spooked because they were all staring at me like I was a jerk for interrupting their meeting. So I say, just wanted to tell you I'm a huge fan. Thank you for your work. They all roll everyone else at the table roll their eyes. And I get super flushed, and I'm about to turn and walk away. And he jumps to his feet and says, what's your name, son? And I go, uh, Phil Eisenhower. And he says, he says, Peter Weller. And I go, I, I, yeah, I, I know, I know. And he shakes my hand, and he says, you know, it's so great that you came over here right at this particular moment. Um, and what did you say? Oh, I'm, I'm I forgot. I said, like I, like I said, I planned on saying, I grew up watching Buckaroo Banzai with my dad. It's one of my favorite movies. I said that when I when I said I'm a huge fan. So he says, what's your name, son? Bill Eisenhower. He, he says, it's so great that you're here. It's so great to hear you say that. I was hoping that you could explain to, uh, to us here at the table. Could you explain to us... Um, what you think that movie means. And I was like, what? In in my head, I was like, it's, it's the most insane, stupid movie I've ever seen. He's a comic book, ninja brain surgeon, test pilot. I, like, what the hell could it mean? Um... Didn't say any of that. I kind of, my eyebrows went up and my mouth kind of like opened and I stared off into space for a second and I went, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I just came over here to say I'm a huge fan and I love your work. And and then he cuts me off and he goes, he goes, thank you very much. It was really, it was a pleasure meeting you. And I went, and I just turned and walked away. <laughs> that's my Peter Weller story. So thanks, guys. Okay, bye. That's a, that's a fun story. Thanks for the call, Phil. Yeah. Uh, it's always interesting when you meet a celebrity and you try to, like, figure out what you're going to say. Cause you definitely want to meet them when you see them. Right. But what do you say? I always feel awkward about that because, uh, you know, I always feel like they're doing their own thing. Uh huh. So maybe I should leave them alone. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure I saw, but at the same time, then I guess you can never really be sure. Like I'm pretty sure I saw John Foreman at like the Billy Graham crusade, uh-huh. but I wasn't like, Hey, you're John Foreman, right? 
So for the rest of my life, I'll be like, I think I saw John Foreman at the Billy Graham crusade, but because I didn't talk to him, I don't actually know that for sure. Sure. You probably did. Well, was he on stage playing a guitar? No, no, no. This was like, (laughs) this was like in one of the, one of the like hallways. Right, right. And he was just kind of like walking through. And the, the real problem is like, if you saw John Foreman in like Biloxi, Mississippi, or like Bangor, Maine, you're going to be like, oh, that's John freaking Foreman. Uh In San Diego, half of the people who live here look like John Foreman. Sure. They're, so, they're blonde surfer dudes. Exactly. So I was like, is that John Foreman or is that just any of like the 10,000 guys down at the beach this weekend? Yeah. I thought it was interesting and in part of Phil's story. Uh, full disclosure, we didn't actually listen to the message right now. I listened to it the other day. I don't know if you. I don't know if you listened to it at all, Steve. No, I did. Oh, you did. I listened to all of it. Okay, I don't know if you remember the part where uh, where Peter Weller asks Phil, like, what did that movie mean? Yeah, yeah. That's like the best freaking thing. If I was an actor or a celebrity, and I knew people were always going to be coming up to me asking me questions or saying stuff. Yeah. I would have something like that in my pocket all the time. Be like, what did it mean? What was the me- what was the now, me- would you like what was the message of that? Would you like jack with people where like if you did something that was like really deep? If you did something first of all, if you did something that was really dumb, you'd come up with some really deep meaning for it to like totally screw with them. Or you just let it ride like whatever think, they said. I think I could are you saying that if a celebrity asked me that, if I could come up with a deep meaning? No, no. I'm saying like, okay, say uh, say you're in Phil's shoes and you're like, Buckaroo Banzai is like my favorite movie of all time. Uh-huh. Oh, it's definitely my favorite movie that you've been in. And Peter Weller's like, oh, what did it mean? And so Phil says whatever. Like, oh, I just, I don't know. Like, I just thought it was really cool because it's like a comic book movie. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, if you're Peter Weller, would you be like, well... Actually, that movie is about oh, like the okay. struggle between the capitalists in the United States and like <laughs> pinko, pinko of, Russia, something kind of out there and kind of like insane, right. and the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. you know, whatever. I probably would, if I was the celebrity, I'd probably just be like, "Yeah, that whole movie was just about like my ex-wife." Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, mo- that movie came to me in a dream. That I- movie is all about my struggle struggle with my sexuality. <laughs> That movie came to me after I passed out from eating too many gummy bears. (laughs) Well, on the other side, though, okay, imagine I'm Peter Weller and you're Phil, Steve. Can you can you travel to Imagination Land with me? Yeah. Can you tell me what does Buckaroo Banzai mean? I'd have to watch it again. It's been a while. Uh huh. Um, but um. I don't know. That movie's nonsense. <laughs> I think what you have to go to with that is what we're really looking for for our movies that we're going to talk about. Like what I think about when I think about Buckaroo Banzai. Right. It means excitement. It means adventure. It means like friendship and like <laughs> loyalty. Right. It means, you know, curiosity. You know, all these really positive kind of upbeat kind of themes that maybe you would have seen in, you know, a vintage piece of media or culture when you were a kid. But it's a movie that's made for, you know, older people 
And it's just this crazy, like positive, exciting musical sort of experience. Right. I think that's kind of the deeper takeaway I would take a, I would take from Buckaroo Bonsai, where, yeah, it's a lot of nonsense. It's a guy who's... Well, do you want to read the synopsis? Uh, sure. Well, um, so I'm, I'm not really reading the plot, but basically uh, this movie, uh, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, it concerns the efforts of the multi-talented Dr. Buckaroo Bonsai, played by Peter Weller, uh-huh. a physicist, neurosurgeon, test pilot, and rock musician... To save the world by defeating a band of interdimensional aliens called... Did it have the part in there about him being a comic book hero? No. He's uh, in a comic book. Called Red Electroids from Planet 10. Um, the film is a cross between action-adventure and sci-fi film genres. It also includes elements of comedy, satire, and romance. Uh, they have a jet car, uh-huh. uh, which is like this giant Ford F-350 that they all travel in. Um, it's just so ridiculous. Um, this whole movie is basically um, Peter Weller uh, versus John Lithgow, um, and it's got Jeff Goldblum in it. Oh yeah, and Christopher Lloyd. Uh-huh. And so the thing is, Christopher Lloyd and uh, John Lithgow are both kind of known as like for more for their comedy roles. John Lithgow was on Third Rock from the Sun, yeah. and he's been you know Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, probably Back to the future most known for back to the future but also like these guys play like ridiculous villains yeah like they play ridiculous characters but like you think about christopher lloyd was also the villain in framed roger rabbit Rabbit, and that guy scared the crap out of me when i was a kid um uh like i said jeff goldblum was in there's like a bunch of people in yakov smirnoff was apparently in this movie (laughs) Um, it had a ton of people in this yeah, movie. Yeah, a lot of like '80s people. Where if you're familiar with '80s uh, television or '80s movies, you'll be like, "Oh, that guy." Yeah. Oh, that guy looks familiar. Here's here's what I got to say about this movie. Uh, if you watch it through the lens of like trying to watch a really cool, taking itself seriously modern movie. You're going to be like, what the hell is this weirdness? Oh, yeah. If you attack this movie from the same like frame of mind that you would like Life Aquatic. Yeah. You're in the right ballpark. Yeah. This is definitely like if Wes Anderson did a sci-fi thing. Yeah. It would end up in this. It, you know, everything Wes Anderson does is this very quirky. I think it's even got scenes uh, where everyone's walking in slow motion to music. Yeah, I don't remember. The ending, they're all walking towards the camera with like fire behind them and the theme song is playing. And freaking everyone's in there and Jeff Goldblum's got a giant cowboy hat on and it's crazy. Yeah. It's a great movie. I would watch the the last, like, I would watch the the ending scene of that movie over and over again for like (laughs) three hours. It's great. The whole like second half of this movie is really strong. The first half I don't really remember that much about. But this, I like the second half st- really stands out to me when the when the action yeah. really starts rolling. Well, the first half like establishes that this guy right. is a rock star. He plays a wicked Telecaster. Right. He is a comic book hero. He is a neural surgeon and you know a particle physicist or all these different right freaking things. He travel you know then he travels into another dimension in a rocket car and brings back space aliens with him from another dimension. Is that what happens? I- well, they're not space aliens. They're interdimensional creatures or something. Sure. Uh, all kinds and of... And they're all named John. Yeah. 
all kinds of crazy stuff happens in this movie. You got to watch it. Yeah. That's just how it goes. I feel we need to, we need to go through the list of, of what, uh, the listeners sent us. Sure. Let me pull this up. Um, that thing you do. That thing you do. That's yeah. an obvious great that like, music movie. Like a board, like it's not a documentary, but it definitely has that feel to it. But it's really good. It's a period piece. It's not a documentary. Well, at that's all. that's what I mean. Like it's not. It's like uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, like it's kind of like watching La Bamba if you know Richie Valens hadn't been a real person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I guess documentary is not not the word I'm looking yeah. for. We got Wayne's World suggested by Andrew Thomas. Right. Um. Uh, I'm having trouble reading. Back to the Future counts. Heavy Metal. Have you ever seen Heavy Metal? Yeah, years ago. I had I made my wife watch Heavy Metal like a few months ago. I don't think I could get like I would have to watch that movie alone. Well, you know, my wife and I were both artists, so we watch everything from you know <laughs> right. an art perspective. There's a lot of cartoon boobies in Heavy Metal. Yeah, a lot of cartoon boobies. Like. <laughs> hysterical um airheads is a great one yeah that was suggested by andrew thomas that's uh brendan frazier's uh probably his best acting role <laughs> i'm trying to think of oh no what was the one where he was locked in the in the basement blast from the past i thought that was a great movie really yeah i don't, haven't seen it actually I thought it was fun uh and you know he's actually I, I say that but i think uh there was one he did called with honors that was pretty good all right um the one where he's like a he did a couple ones where he was like college student a college student uh one of them was with honors the other one what uh, about encino man oh my gosh what about uh the scout you ever see the <laughs> I don't scout think i ever saw the scout it's a sports movie oh, okay um he did one, I forget what it was called, where he plays like a Jewish student at like a Nazi school. Like it's not a Nazi school, it's in the United States. Uh-huh. But like everyone in the school is super anti-Semitic. This 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 sounds like a serious movie. It's it's really heavy. Okay. Uh and that was probably legitimately like his actual finest acting role, but I'll have to look it up. Uh but Airheads was really funny. Airheads is is pretty funny. Uh, it's the thing that cracked me up about Airheads is that when it came out, it was right on this border in between like, like the, the heavy metal, hair metal, glam rock, uh, eighties, late, like late eighties, early nineties, guns and roses, kind of Aerosmithy sort of thing. And right on the border when everything was going grunge so fast. Yeah, and so this movie came out. Everyone that is in it, all the music that's portrayed, is like late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and there's a couple lines where they allude to the fact that grunge exists and they're aware of it. If that movie, I think by the time that movie came out, the music in it was completely obsolete. So this movie came out in 1994. Yeah, uh, so they were probably in production for this movie in like 91. I, I don't know if it was that early because a lot of the guys in it were like early '90s uh, SNL guys. Chris Farley's in it. Adam Sandler's in it. Yeah. Um, but they, this movie came out later than it should have. If, yeah. If this movie had come out '91, '92, it would have hit the mark. Right. Because it came out '94. I think this movie was just trying to capitalize on Wayne's World. 
Oh yeah, totally. Uh, you're talking about the soundtrack. Uh, you've got Motorhead, uh, Four Non Blondes doing a Van Halen song. It's a great soundtrack. Uh, White Zombie, Degeneration, Primus, Anthrax. Excuse I think me. I owned the soundtrack to this. Candlebox. Um, the Ramones are on it. That's those are the big names. Um, so yeah, th- this was a fun movie. Yeah, totally. Except for the music uh, that that the Lone Rangers played. Oh. <laughs> the, 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 the fictitious band's actual song was so miserable. Oh, yeah. So yeah. bad. I hate any song that starts out with the name Johnny. Like, that's <laughs> what I remember about that song. Right. Is that it starts out with the name Johnny. If you're writing a song and the character in your story song is Johnny, like, go to the telephone book, like the white pages, pick another name. Just find a name, any name other than John or Johnny. So, I've been watching. I've haven't and seen, no Jacks or Dianes either. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I haven't seen this movie, um, but I feel I've watched so many YouTube commentaries about it that I feel like I've seen it. Uh huh. When you start talking about Johnny, it just made me think of the Room. Oh, you got to see that movie. It's not a music movie, but you got to see the Room. Oh, it's great. You're Le- tearing Lisa, me apart, Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> All right, anyway, uh, what else do we have on this list? <laughs> uh, uh, Sean Birdman Gould says Blues Brothers, obviously the Blues Brothers. Yeah. That's yeah. like an ultimate music movie. We play both kinds of music here, country and western. <laughs> but not Blues Brothers 2000. I didn't think that movie was that bad. It's not that bad. It, but The original is like, uh, so much better, yeah. but you know the, the remake wasn't that bad. I think... Blues Brothers 2000 would have made more sense if there had been a Blues Brothers like 1998 and then a Blues Brothers 1996 and then a Blues Brothers 2000. Like set a precedent like, okay, we're going to hit each decade. Right, right. Or maybe after Blues Brothers 2000, they would have come out with Blues Brothers XP. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um... (laughs) That's such a nerdy joke. Oh, man. It's hitting me on so many levels right now. Uh, Almost Famous is a great music movie. Yeah, Almost Famous is, recommended is, by is, a, Thomas. is a departure from most of the movies on this list because, for the most part, music movies have been comedies. Yeah. Um, well, it's, but, got, it's got its moments. It has its moments, but like it's kind of a depressing movie. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of like really feel for the main character... At the end, like you're kind of bummed about it, and you know everyone's kind of a douche. Uh huh. Um, who was the guy who was the main kid in that? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't. I mean, but, and what? I know it was supposed to be about a specific band, but the name was changed. Oh, really? Yeah, I forget what band it was supposed to be about, but uh, I think there was a big stink about it because the band got all pissed off. Oh, and like, hey, this is about us. This is not cool. And it's like, no one would have known if you hadn't said anything. Almost Famous in another movie that I know is on this list, Rockstar. Uh, <sighs> those two movies were like on TV, on VH1's movies that rock like every other weekend. I dislike Rockstar. That's the Marky Mark one, right? Yes. There's the two main actors in that. I'm not a fan. I don't. I'm not a fan of Marky Mark. I'm, what's her name? Girl from Friends. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Not a fan. 
Was she in that one? Yeah, she was like his girlfriend or whatever. So the actor, the main actor's name was Patrick Fugit. Um, I don't know that he really did anything else after that. Okay. But this movie is considered semi-autobiographical because it was directed by Cameron Crowe, who um, was also like a teenage uh, writer for Rolling Stone magazine. Right. Um, it doesn't say... So it's him kind of reflecting on his experience. Yeah, so I don't know if there's a specific band necessarily that he's, he's referencing in here or if he's just kind of like... Uh, Talking about maybe more than one band, uh, like just different experiences, kind of all rolled into one. Um, it said the film is based on Crow's experience experiences touring with rock bands Poco, the Almond Brothers band, Led Zeppelin, uh, the Eagles, or Eagles, depending on how you look at it, and Leonard Skinner. Huh. Um. So. Uh, there was an actual band named Stillwater that released two albums in the late 1970s. And I guess they read the script and were like, whatever. Right. Um, Who cares? We're old men now. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything on here that says like if there was an actual band All right. that it was based on. Uh, next on the list, uh, Paul Roney suggested a movie that we both like and we're familiar with. Six String Samurai. Six String Samurai. That's a great movie. I've, I actually, I've only seen that movie with you. Yeah. Uh, I really want to go back and watch it again, but it's a really cool movie. It's this, like, imagine Mad Max with guitars. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what this is. That's a perfect description. Yeah. And one of the things that, like, with Six String Samurai that I thought was so cool, though, that one is more, like, directly violent, I guess. Uh-huh. Because he was an actual samurai, if I remember correctly. Like, he, didn't he have a sword? Well, he had a katana. Yeah. Uh, but like just the whole idea of like merging the music and everything, what it reminds me of is I want to say uh, in, is it Kung Fu Hustle uh-huh. where they've got like where he has to fight like the guys that play like the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's not a steel guitar, but it's like the ancient Chinese equivalent to like yeah, kind of a like steel guitar. Yeah, it's like a big guitar. like laptop. Hard. Yeah, I forget what it's called. It might be an Erhu. But I don't really remember. I only know uh, the official name of one Chinese instrument. Or is it Japanese? I think it's Japanese. Okay. So ignore me. Okay. <laughs> um, but like just that whole concept, like in 16 Samurai was a really cool movie. Yeah. It's, it's an indie film. It doesn't have kind of the polish that you expect from, you know, like a big theatrical release right. or whatever. But it's a lot of fun to watch, especially if you're a guitarist. There's a lot of yeah. cool guitars in it. There's a lot of cool guitar humor in it. Uh, the guy, the main character is walking around with this great big Gretsch strapped to his back. And he yeah. like, sits on it and rides down sand dunes on his Gretsch. And he gets in guitar battles with villains. And they run at each other playing guitar. And then they sword fight. And there's a band in it called the Red Elvises, which yeah. is a real band. And at this stage in their careers, they wore like just these bright red velvet suits and they had these like crazy red hairdos and the bass player in the band plays a, a, a giant electric balaika. Is that how you say it? Close enough. It's the giant Russian instrument. It looks like a triangle, giant triangle, three strings, and they play these awesome songs throughout the movie. It's just a really fun movie. Like the, the theme of the movie is that this guy is trying to, get to 
uh, New Vegas yeah. or Lost Vegas. I can't remember. It's Lost Vegas. Lost Vegas because Elvis has died and there needs to be a new king. Yeah. So this is like an alternate reality where, you know, society has crumbled. Russia has taken over parts of America. Uh, Elvis is the king, like the surviving king in an American city state of Las Vegas, and he's died. And and guitarists all over the wasteland are journeying there to try to take the crown, basically. Something about this movie, I remember when I watched it. Are you familiar with Junior Brown? Uh, No. He's the the country musician. Um, So something about this movie always made me think of Junior Brown, who is a uh, kind of a, a... Bakersfield sound. He's a he's a modern guy, like I'd say a '90s country guy. Okay, uh, but he was really into the Bakersfield sound, which is like that Buck Owens Telecaster sound. But he had a double neck Telecaster, Telecaster steel guitar. Gotcha. And uh, something about this movie just always reminded me of him and like his demeanor and the way he kind of approached music, like where it's ser it has a serious tone but it's serious in like a very gimmicky way yeah totally like it's it's a really fun movie steve and i both recommend it go yeah. find it wherever you find movies and watch this thing and talk about it uh what's next on the list uh crossroads oh uh yeah i love that movie britney spears is great sure there is that one but there's also ralph macchio crossroads which I don't know. If, have you seen that, Steve? I've seen parts of it. I, I know what it's about. You got to watch Crossroads. About 90% of the movie will bore you to tears. Because right. it's, it's Ralph Macchio and this other guy whose name I can't remember. Like basically just walking around. And the old guy is t- teaching Ralph Macchio right. like, blues lessons. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, plays off the whole... Uh, Robert Johnson crossroads uh, kind of myth that he's, yeah. that he sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. Um, but the reason you watch crossroads is to see the few parts where someone is playing guitar and to see the last 10 minutes of the movie where Ralph Macchio has to guitar battle Steve Vai, right. who happens to be like a demon like from actual hell representing Satan. I thought he was Satan. I don't think he was. I think he like represented him. Okay. Like he was Satan's talent for for head cutting battles. Right. Right. And so this this epic battle uh apparently well I always heard that Steve Vai played Ralph Macchio's parts when you see close up of close-ups of his yeah. hands. Yeah. But apparently Ry Cooter was doing the slide work whenever he was playing slide guitar. Okay. So you're getting a lot of like virtuoso guitar shredding in this movie in the last 10 minutes. It's a really great dramatic scene. The way it ends is fantastic. Definitely a, a movie worth watching. I, I'd say the thing for me that really gets me with a music movie, like the thing that I count used to count a movie as good or bad is if when the movie's done, if it makes me want to go pick up my guitar like right away. Sure. And the end of Crossroads definitely makes you want to go pick up a guitar. Yeah, and you know, that's one of the things that's uh one of the movies I think I put on this list um was uh A Mighty Wind, 
which mm-hmm. I don't think you've seen. I have not seen so it. So we can knock out two movies in one. So Mighty Wind is, I guess, the folk equivalent to, um, oh my gosh. Spinal I'm, Tap. To Spinal Tap. So yeah. this is this is Spinal Tap. Um, it was these these like mockumentaries that Christopher Guest has done like over the years. Uh-huh. Um, and A Mighty Wind was like this folk one. And the thing that's so great about these mockumentaries uh, that that Christopher Guest did, both Spinal Tap and A Mighty Wind, is they're so well done that while you're watching it, you're just you're not a hundred percent sure if it's a mockumentary or not, right? Because you're into it, you're into the music, you're into yeah the the music, the it, characters, it, it, like Spinal Tap. The music is like intentionally fitting for that time period like 80s, right. 80s music like 80s that whole 70s 80s metal thing yeah well it's supposed to be kind like, of a late 70s act right um a mighty wind like all of the lyrics to these folk songs are just like some of i don't want to say all of them but a lot of them are just like the stupidest thing, things oh, really? to sing about but the music is like just incredible right totally because they got solid musicians yeah on. oh yeah yeah I, I, I definitely need to watch that one I've been telling you, man. I know. Mighty Wind. I've been staying up late at night holding my baby. I should download it and and watch it or see if it's on streaming or something. Uh, What's next on the list? Cadillac Records. I don't know if I remember that one. I know Sam is a huge fan of Cadillac Records. Uh, I think Sam Miller suggested this one. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I haven't seen it either, but it's about Motown. Oh, okay. Um, It's kind of like, so there was like Cadillac Records and I think... Uh, Dream Girls are they're topically similar movies. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're not the same. So it's about uh, kind of like singing groups getting screwed over by managers and stuff, right? I guess <laughs> that's a movie that I don't think anyone brought up. Speaking of of like Cadillac Records and Motown, is uh, Ray. Yeah, Ray's a great one. Yeah, totally great music movie. Not a lot of guitars in there. No, and there's uh, and there's a Johnny Cash one. What is that one called? Uh. I walked uh walk the line? Yeah, I think yeah, it's walk, walk the, the line. line. I kept thinking walk hard, but that's the John that's C. Riley yeah. spoof of it. Um yeah, no, the Johnny Cash one was really good. Uh Walk the Line. Yeah, great movie. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought uh whatever the his crap River Phoenix's brother, uh-huh. uh Joaquin Phoenix, that's his name, uh uh-huh. did a really good job in that. Yeah, totally. His face it's one of those things where his face doesn't really look like Johnny Cash, but he exuded Johnny Cash's presence. Right. Like he he nailed that, you know? Yeah. Because he doesn't really look like Johnny Cash. Johnny no. Cash has like a rock, like a roundish face and Joaquin Phoenix has a long face. A Joaquin Phoenix face. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix face. Like a like a uh, Joaquin's face that has risen from the ashes. That was terrible. <laughs> Do you uh, write your own material? No one writes this stuff down. <laughs> it just comes out. <laughs> uh, Andrew Thomas said a mighty wind. Uh, Bill and uh, Sam Miller says Bill and Ted's. Obviously, Bill and Ted's. Yeah. I mean, every time I turn on an amplifier, I have to fight the instinct to roll everything all the way up. So my favorite like thing Ted about style. Bill and Ted's is the amps that they're turning all the way up are Silverface Fender Twin Reverbs. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you turn it up to 10, it's still not going to be metal. 
Like it's just going to be loud and clean. It's going to it's going to peel the wallpaper off the walls for sure. Well, that's true. Yeah. Maybe it starts to get well, dirty think, when it's all the way up to 10. I think that's the point though is that they don't have any correct gear for what they're trying to right. do and they definitely don't have any correct skills for what they're trying no. to do. That's like the whole point. It would it wouldn't be as funny if they had, you know, totally, you know, period correct like Kramers and, you know, like Mesa half stacks or something, you know. Yeah. It wouldn't be funny. It'd be like, well, why do these guys suck when they have good stuff? How bi- how much does it bother you when you're watching a movie and it has like a semi serious tone, but the gear is wrong? <laughs> I watched him, uh, you know, the movie, the thing yeah, where they're up in the Arctic circle and there's the the monster that I think they're in Antarctica, but whatever they're, uh, absorbing the monster absorbs everyone's faces and stuff like that. And acts like people, their guitar, they made a sequel to it. Well, it's a prequel, the prequel It came out like a year or two ago. Yeah. There's a scene in it before monster stuff starts happening where everyone's hanging out and they're happy and a guy is playing a ukulele. And it's a Fender ukulele. <laughs> and Fender didn't start making ukuleles until like three years ago. Right. Right. And it just super took me out of the movie. I was like, no, no, that's wrong. That doesn't belong there. So, But no one else on the planet probably cares but me. So two things. One thing I learned a few years ago, like two or three years ago. And one thing I learned like within the last couple weeks, uh, maybe within the last month, we'll say. Um, in Back to the Future, uh-huh. the guitar. So when he, when Ma- Marty McFly goes back into the past, he goes to 1955. The guitar that he is playing is uh, a variation of the ES uh, of the Gibson ES 335. Uh huh. Um, and I believe it has the veritone switching on it, which is like typically a ES three forty five feature. Yeah. I don't remember if this was a, just a different three thirty five or if it is actually a three forty five. But the guitar that he plays, I don't think went into production until either fifty seven or fifty nine. The other thing that happens in that movie is when he knocks the amp over. There's a big reverb crash. Uh huh. Reverb as an effect uh didn't exist until or at least it didn't exist in amplifiers um until like 1962 or 1963 yeah like the very first reverb amp i think was built for dick dale um he doesn't use an amp with a reverb in it uh he might have tested some of them i don't I don't know the full history on that, but he was definitely an earlier user right. of reverb, but he was using the outboard reverb. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't remember which amp it was the first amp to get an, an inboard reverb. Right. Well, regardless, like the amp that he is playing. Yeah. Wouldn't have had reverb crash. No, he was like a decade early. Yeah. But, you know, Doc Brown could have brought him the equipment he needed and dropped it off before he started playing and made sure it was on stage. But then the band... Would have been like, hey, what's this crazy new stuff? I've never seen this before. So it's probably just a movie No, mistake. he just goes up there and takes the guitar away from the guy. But I'm saying Doc Brown could have gone back before oh that and planted the guitar and the amp. And maybe Doc Brown was completely ignorant. He was like, oh, we're going to need a guitar and an amp up here. Dude, Doc Brown had that amp with like the three foot wide speaker. That thing was like eight feet wide. Whatever. 
Doc Brown uh, knows amps. Okay, I get and, it. And he has... No, no, my point is he doesn't know amps. Oh, okay. <laughs> and because he had that he had that amplifier, and then like the guitar was... I forget what the make is, but that little like yeah. half-body guitar. Like the little Fernandez or whatever yeah, it is. No, yeah, uh, I forget what those are called. They're really neat guitars. Yeah. Um, there have been some other movies like that. The other thing that really bothers me is... Um, when TV shows, and I realize again that this is like an expensive thing, but when TV shows like have instruments and like they got to tape off, yeah, uh, and they do it uh, in a way that's not really well done. Now I've been watching. Um, There's so many creative ways to do that better, right? And I've been watching Aquabat Super Show, uh-huh. and that's a show like where they tape off the Squire on all yeah. the guitars, which confuses but, me because I thought that they were sponsored. But maybe well, it's a TV thing. Pro- it's probably a TV thing. Okay. Because uh, the TV channel's like, well, we're not paying them. Exactly. Or they're not paying us. Um, so, but the way that they, they mask it off in that, like, looks really cool. Yeah, because like, they do, looks, like, a funny shape on yeah, it or something. Yeah, it looks intentional. Yeah. So, anyway, what else do we got? Uh, uh, what's on the list? What's on the list? Where was I? I scrolled down. We uh, had uh, Wayne's World. We had we got the Doors with Val Kilmer, right? Uh, we have got Muscle Shoals. You mentioned that. Uh, we got La Bamba, Desperado. I'm I'm a big fan of the guitar stuff in Desperado. Yeah, that's a neat movie. The whole thing. With, I, I mean, hate the Eagles. I mean, we were talking. Oh, shut up. We were talking about you know a potential gun guitar earlier in the episode, but Desperado actually has that sort of stuff, right? And it's really cool. Uh, you know, there's the guy who's got like it's mariachi instruments, so he's got the big old acoustic bass that's got like a rocket launcher in it or something. Yeah, and you know, their cases are machine guns, and you know, Antonio Banderas has his case that opens up, and then the and you think it's just a guitar, but then the guitar part flips open, and underneath it's just grenades and gun, guns and knives. Oh, it's and ridiculous! All kinds of stuff in there, like. And there's a scene where he's playing this crazy looking Tisco guitar. I think either in Desperado or in Desperado 2. There is a Desperado 2, right? Is there? I'm not tripping. Am I tripping? I don't know. I think you're tripping. But there's either Desperado or one of the sequels. He's playing this Tisco that looks incredible and he's just ripping it to pieces. It's probably not actually him, it's probably a double. Right. But that's a great scene. And it's one of those things where as soon as I watch that scene, I always want to go pick up my guitar and just right. pa- pause the movie and come back to it later, you know? <laughs> uh, what else is there? Oh, there's also the whole stuff, whole thing in Desperado where he, like someone brings him a mariachi guitar and he's taking it around with him, like trying to play it with his crippled hand for half the movie. Like, right. That's all great stuff. Uh, Rock and Roll High School. Great Ramones movie. I actually haven't seen that one. You gotta watch Rock and Roll High School. Oh, man. You gotta watch it. There's like a seven foot lab rat in it. What? Yeah, it's insane. Rock and Roll High School is a much must watch. You gotta watch that just to you know watch the Ramones do something weird for a while. You know what's not on this list? What? At least I don't think anyone named it. Is a Hard Day's Night? No, it's not on here. And that seems think. like a really obvious one. Yeah, I think it's too obvious. I don't. Is it not a music movie? I mean, it's obviously a music movie, but... Yeah, it's obviously a music movie. It's so Beatles-y, though. 
<laughs> like I, I think the Beatles make it a Beatles movie and not a music movie. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's something probably only a band like the Beatles could do. And I don't like to like toot a horn for the Beatles too often, but that's kind of true. Right. Where you don't think of it as a music movie anymore. You think of like it as a Beatles movie. Sure. That's fair. Um, Kenny says Purple Rain, which is a great Purple movie. Rain. Get to yeah. watch Prince ride around on a great big purple motorcycle and play a Telecaster and just be generally the sexiest person on the planet. Still is. Yeah. Dude, uh, I still say that Prince's Super Bowl performance a couple years ago, oh, like yeah. three, four years ago, oh, yeah. is easily one of the greatest Super Bowl performances of, of all... I'm going to go ahead and say of all time. Prince... Is 100% legit. Yeah. I mean, you know, his stuff with, you know, his issues with online music distribution is unfortunate. <laughs> like, it's unfortunate the way he wants to go about that. But sure. I understand where he's coming from. And he's freaking Prince. He can do whatever he wants. He's great. Prince Prince is legitimate. Uh, Kenny also says UHF, a great music movie. A great parody movie. UHF was just a great all-around movie. Yeah, totally great. I'm really sad movie. that it's not on Netflix anymore. I'm pretty sure it used to be. Yeah, I think I watched it not too long ago. Yeah, I should Netflix. have looked on Amazon. I didn't think to look on it Amazon. It might be on there. All right, anyway. Uh, Scott Pilgrim's an awesome. Oh, dude. Awesome music movie. Yeah, and uh, Scott Kenny- Pilgrim, he's rocking the Rickenbacker based oh, movie. Yeah. Uh, which is like kind of a... Unique thing. I, I don't. I've never read the uh, graphic novel, uh-huh. so I don't know if that's what he's playing in that. But like that movie was just. I feel like that movie was maybe too well done in a sense. <laughs> it's too good. Well, no, I, I just mean like it's so like n- referential to like the the geek niche of like the video games yeah. and all that stuff that like you either bought in a hundred percent and you're like this is the coolest thing ever or you were like what in the world is going on uh-huh the movie didn't do particularly well in theaters but people are gonna um, watch that movie for the rest of the time yeah i think that's definitely it's gonna it's like gonna be we have it's not there yet but i think in like a decade or like in 10 or 15 years it's gonna be like a major cult film i think if you're in the venn diagram where you're where the the music nerd and the the video game nerd bubbles connect like that movie is euphoric. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not in one of those bubbles, then it's kind of like, "Okay, that's kind of cool," or maybe you just don't even get it at all. But if you're those two people at the same time, like it's an excellent movie. Oh, there were so many things going on in that movie where I was just like And there's the comic book angle too. Yeah, the whole time I'm just like Oh my gosh! Oh, this is oh when he when he defeats bad guys, he gets points and coins. Yeah, like what? Oh, yeah, the, at the moment coins started hitting the ground and he was picking them up, I like wanted to cry. Yeah, like I didn't read the comics, and I know people who did, and I probably should have. Uh, I still could, but I'm not going to. And you can't read. And I can't read. This got pictures though. I can figure it out by the pictures. Um, but it's just a great movie, and I'm so I'm almost happy that I didn't read the comic book because everything in it took me by surprise, and that yeah. that was a really good feeling. That's true. Yeah. Uh, what's next? What's next? What's next? Selena, uh, the five heartbeats crossroads. I don't, I don't know what the five heartbeats are. Yeah. Selena is, I think, 
you know, it's a it's a movie where if you detach yourself from the fact that it's about Selena, um, it's a really it's a neat movie. It's it's you know it's another biography. Uh huh. There's there's two movies. Well, I'm gonna say this. There's there's School of Rock, right? Which is a movie that you and Adam were super pumped on when I met Dude, you guys. I'm still super pumped on that movie. And there's also The Rocker, which I kind of put in that same kind of the rocker genre. is stupid it is stupid but I, enjoy- I feel the same about both those movies see the rocker like i enjoyed the rocker as a stupid movie i have emotions about school of rock okay um and maybe it's just a timing thing i want to say school of rock came out in 2003 or 2004 something like that um and you guys just had the biggest boners for that movie <laughs> Well, so we were talking about this the other day. So School of Rock just makes me think of being in Harry Back. So Adam and I were in a band, like, kind of out of high school. Like a punk ska first band. First year of college, a punk ska band called Harry Backman. And we played, like, two shows. Uh-huh. Um, and so that movie just reminds me of kind of that. Like, I watched it during that time in my life when we were doing that. Right. And Adam and I, we went and saw that movie together. And we we're like, dude, Ben has to see this movie. Who was our drummer uh-huh. in Harry Backman. And it's just like, I don't know. I thought it was a lot of fun sure. uh, at the time. I think I watched that movie alone in my house as a rental. It didn't have any impact on me. It's definitely, you know, there <laughs> there are certain movies where I think the people you see it with can really change what your first impression is of it. Sure. Totally. I think I saw Napoleon dynamite like at least three times in theater. Uh huh. Two of the times I saw it in theater, it was like, it was awesome. Right. One of the times I saw it, I saw it with a person who did not have a sense of humor that jived with what was going on in Napoleon dynamite. And the whole time I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) And so I think, School of Rock is definitely in that category. Like, if you're into the whole Jack Black being Jack Black thing, it's a movie that really works. If Jack Black doesn't do it for you, then you're just kind of like, eh. I think I was thinking about it, and the thing I the, the part of it that I really don't gel with is the same thing I don't gel with in The Rocker, where it's the it's this storyline of old person tries to teach young people the correct way to make music or the correct right. way, the correct way to rock and roll. And that feels backwards to me. Like, I feel like young people should be the ones forging new paths and going like old people are wrong. This is how we do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Uh, but there are definitely, but that might just be my jam. I mean, how many bands out there, Maybe there's not that many, but you know, every town has a handful of these bands that are like three or four, like sixteen-year-olds with a dad drummer. With a dad drummer. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, even some of the bands that we never—I don't think we ever played with a band uh, with a band that had a dad drummer. Uh huh. But there were definitely like bands that we played with were like. The the band managers were all the moms, right? And we were like, "What is wrong with these people? Like, <sighs> you're 45 years old, lady. Like, you're supposed to be. First of all, you're supposed to start a band to not be around your parents. Yeah, yeah. If the hottest girls showing up to your shows are your moms, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I just remember playing at the second wind with that one band. Uh, man, that was a nightmare experience. Where the where the sound guy at the second wind took a knife out to cut a hole in Adam's bass drum. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, but I remember man. playing that show with that with this uh, with this band whose name I will not mention. But they were pretty popular in the East County pop punk scene for a while, and like they had all mom managers at this like East County Cougar bar, <sighs> and it was just like, hey guys, um, either you have some really old girlfriends or your moms are the only girls that came yeah. to the show. What's with all the moms, guys? Of course, I'm complaining about this. I don't think anyone came to see us. No, no one came to see us. <laughs> so at least are they, you kidding? At least they had like a guaranteed three tickets sold for every show I wish, to their moms. I wish my mom would have come to see Let's play that show. She came to like one or two yeah, of my, our shows. My mom's always come to one or two of she came to my more, shows with whatever band I'm in. She came to more of our shows than my mom did. <laughs> All right. Let's see if there's anything you got else good on the list. Pirate Radio is a great one. I haven't seen that one. Luke Mundy recommended it. It's more of a music movie than a guitar movie. Okay. Uh, but it's a great music movie. I've been wanting to see it. I just I haven't. Oh, I mentioned Life Aquatic earlier. That's got a lot of great music stuff in it. It's got so uh, the guy playing all the D- Bowie covers on the acoustic oh, guitar. Right. It's got you know a soundtrack by Mark Mothersbra from well, Devo. All of the Wes Anderson movies have Mark Mothersbra. Yeah, soundtracks. But Life Aquatic has the best ones. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm partial to that movie. Uh, yeah, I watched it once. Phil says a great movie, Miami Connection. I I don't know that one. You gotta watch Miami Connection. It is like think of Buckaroo Banzai, okay, and then push it deep, deep, deep into homemade B movie territory. Like this movie didn't get released. It's it rotted on a shelf, and no one ever saw it outside of like the first two theaters where it aired, right? And it got re released. Someone found it. It's insane. It's about a band. They're all musicians. They're all ninjas. They're all in oh Miami. They have to fight like a crime syndicate made out of ninjas. And apparently most of them are orphans. And it's this great. Here's the thing. It's so B. It's such a bad movie. But everyone in it, you can tell that they're just loving making this movie. It's so earnest. Everyone looks like they're having a great time. You enjoy watching it because of the attitude that everyone has in it. Like it's, it feels like a warm hug from a close friend, even though it's a terrible, terrible movie, (laughs) (laughs) but there's this, there's this great scene in it where they, their, their band gets booked at this bar or at this venue and this other band comes in and is like, hey, why are they playing? That's supposed to be our slot. Like this like this big deal if another band plays in your time slot. Right. And they get in. That's because it is. They get in like a knife fight with the other band. There were definitely a few bands. This is like that, a ninja knife fight. That I wanted to get in a knife fight with. But the, it's so over the top and so insane. It doesn't make any sense, but the the music scenes are definitely reminiscent of the music scenes in Buckaroo Banzai, okay. where it's like, whoa, we're on a stage. We're having a great time. There's a song about friendship. <laughs> it's it's an insane movie. Right, right. You got to watch it at some point. Uh, 
what else is on here? Um, crossroads. We already talked about that. Yeah, this thread was actually one of the longest threads I've ever seen in our group. Uh, Kenny says from Justin to Kelly. I don't know what that is. So Okay, so for, let's not talk about that. Uh, it's not bad, except it's the worst. Luke Mundy says Crazy Heart. What is Crazy Heart? Crazy Heart was the movie that, um, that the dude did um, after True Grit. Oh. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh, I haven't. He did seen a that movie one. where it's kind of like a, a where he's like a burnt out like country yeah, player. Yeah, it's or like something. a fake biographical type movie. Right. Um, I heard it super good, and I've seen actually seen Jeff Bridges perform on Austin City Limits. That dude's like a legit musician. Sure, sure. And so I think uh, that lended itself uh, to the movie, from what I understand. So we're at the bottom of the list here, and we're actually running really long on time here. So I, th- I think we really covered most of our favorites. So I, I thought of, after uh, this thread, there were th- uh, two movies I thought of. One that I haven't seen, uh-huh. uh, but I feel like it's recommended a lot. Um, Empire Records. That's a great one. Uh, one that I have seen that I'm kind of 50-50 on recommending this, uh, but it's in, I think, a similar vibe to Empire Records, which is High Fidelity. High Fidelity is a great movie. High Fidelity, like, I don't think either of these are necessarily, like, music movies like from a performance standpoint they're just movies that involve a lot of music yeah and revolve around music great music in them um the one i'm gonna throw this one out because i know it came out recently and i haven't seen it is august rush what happens in that i don't know some kid plays music <laughs> i have no idea what it's about <laughs> but, I, but i heard it was really good um what I don't know. Some kid plays music. And then why are and you then, asking me? And then two very serious ones. Uh one is called uh I want to say Music of the Heart. Uh-huh. Uh which stars Meryl Streep, so you know it's drama. Uh-huh. Uh what about like freaking Amadeus? Amadeus! Yeah. I did not think of Amadeus, but Amadeus no, and Amadeus is not similar to my last uh one, which is I think it's kind of a forgotten, fun, dramatic movie. Um, Mr. Holland's Opus. That's a great movie. With Richard Dreyfuss. That movie made my dad cry. Really? I, I watched my dad cry as he was watching that movie. That movie's really good. Yeah, it's solid. Um, and the whole, like, the whole idea of, you know, like, the dad who's so focused on music that he's, like, leaving his special needs son behind. Yeah. It's a real... Like cats in the cradle situation. Yeah, you know it. Is. <laughs> it really is. No, and so you know, I think the the thing that's so great about music movies is is when they're well done, they can be really funny. They can yeah. be really serious. Like, uh, music from the heart is about like a teacher, a music teacher in like an inner city school, uh-huh. and everyone's like trying to take the funding away from her music program, and she's like, no, 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 no. like if my if this kid isn't playing violin, he's going to be like doing drugs right totally sort of a thing except they're i think in like elementary school or something um but you know music can be a very powerful catalyst uh not just in film obviously like if it, music wasn't a very powerful catalyst we wouldn't be doing this podcast of course not um because who would care yeah because no one would care right uh but yeah there's just a lot of movies totally a lot of good ones i feel like there's one coming out soon a music movie uh, that everyone's looking forward to, but I don't remember what it is. Hmm. 
Well, I think we should wrap this up and we should sure. talk uh, a little talk about this contest we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to do a contest. Uh, I like that we're releasing the information for this contest at the end of like our longest episode ever. <laughs> we're at a minute and tw- we're at an hour and 22 minutes. Nice. Um, we are going to do a contest to try to help push up listenership and also to give away something to you guys. I have here this uh, fuzz face pedal. It's uh, inside is of the lid is written BC 108 fuzz face in bell five, 2010. So Steve says that's, it was made by a guy named uh, Nick bell. Yeah. Nicholas bell is a local um, pedal guy. He's, he doesn't have a company or anything. He just builds for fun. If any of you guys are on like uh, the DIY stomp boxes, group or the i love fuzz group these are um message boards um you've probably seen him around uh he's actually the guy i forgot what i gave him it might have just been uh-huh. parts or something but i got my uh ring mod kit from him uh so that's how i met him i uh, was through craigslist so i've had this pedal for quite a while and i just don't really use it that much i'm not a big fuzz face guy uh, I got this pedal off of a Craigslist ad um, from a guy where I met him in the parking lot of like a CVS or something like that or a nice. drugs. And this guy basically looked like a Jerry Garcia clone. Like <laughs> he had a tie dye shirt with a big piece symbol on it. Right. Long gray hair and a beard. And he was actually telling me how he got this pedal to to uh, emulate a Grateful Dead song. Oh my gosh. So it's the, it's the full package there. What's something that's really neat about it is it has this little trim pot inside, which it either controls the, a voltage sag or it's a bias knob. I'm not sure, but you can really get, Here, let me see it. You can really you get, can, you can keep talking some, uh, wide variation out of this pedal. When you adjust that, it'll either be like a really tight, bright fuzz, or it'll get to be like a really, like gritty woolly fuzz, but we're going to give this thing away. And the way that we're going to do this is I'm going to post pictures of it to our Instagram, basically saying, listen to the podcast to get information on how to win this. And the way that people are going to win this is that they write to us, write to us through our email, uh, 60 cycle humcast at gmail.com and tell us, what art you want to be on here. Tell us what picture you want to be on it. I'm an artist for a living. I'm the plan is that the winning submission, whoever su- suggests the thing that we like the most, I'm going to paint it on there and then I'm going to ship you the pedal. So yeah. you're going to have this really unique piece. It's a custom made fuzz face. It has some really usable sounds. It's going to have the art that you want on it. And the other angle, well, to, it's not maybe not the art you want, but it's going to be the art, that the you art tr- concept that you right, suggested. Right. I'm going to try to make it as cool as possible. Yeah. Like really wild and out there. Uh, the The whole goal of this is that we're not going to release the pedal until we get 500 listens on an episode. Right now we're sitting just below 400. Yeah. So we're going to try to get another 100 listens on the podcast, like on a weekly episode. And then we will release the pedal as a prize to the winner. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. It might take a while to get to 500. 
it might be next week. Who knows? Right. Uh, what if it happens next week, but we don't have any submissions? Uh, then we're going to do it to the first submission. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if a ton of people are listening and they're not submitting anything, then why are they even listening? Why would they listen to our awful podcast? I don't podcast? know. We apparently have 390 people listening to this, but we get ads from the same like 10 people. <laughs> We love you, same 10 people. You're our favorites. No, it's rad. It's, it's fun. It's really cool to interact right. with and get to know people, but it's like sometimes it's funny. It's just it's an amusing thing to think about. Yeah, totally. Uh, so jump on the Facebook group, people who are listening but not uh, participating in our little community. Uh, send in your suggestions for the art, and we'll try to keep those organized. Maybe we'll set up a folder on our Gmail. So Yeah. This stuff doesn't get lost, but I th- I have a feeling we're going to be picking out our favorites and we'll, Steve and I will vote on what we like probably. Yeah. Given the timing of all this, like this could be a Christmas gift for yourself. Oh yeah. This could be a Christmas gift for someone, you know, who loves fuzz. Maybe it'll land right on your birthday. Who knows? Yeah. It'll be a happy birthday present from your favorite podcast. <laughs> oh, right right i was like wait they're getting a birthday gift from this american life <laughs> shut up all right so let's finish up the episode uh we got a phone call from co that was basically an apology that uh that we haven't gotten songs from people and so maybe i'll play that right before we play a song that we did get from someone uh, who sent us this song? Uh, is this the Dead Squirrels? This is from the Dead Squirrels. Uh, uh, listener is... of the show, Donnie, sent this to us. Do you want to read the message that he Sure, sent it us? says, Hey guys, I just found your podcast this week. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's been a while since anyone has done a podcast for Gearheads. It's been a while. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At any rate, I know that you guys like to play submitted music, uh, so I'd like to share my band's last album, in its entirety via Dropbox. So he sent us his entire album. If you like any of the songs, we'd be thrilled to have you play one on your podcast. The album, Let It Go, is also available on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks, uh, Donnie. This band is called The Dead Squirrels. You can check them out at thedeadsquirrels.com or look them up on iTunes. So he sent us the full album, and I listened to every single song today to try to figure out what song I was going to play. Right. And then it landed on track 11, which is the last track. And if Donnie's listening to this right now, he's probably cringing because he knows <laughs> what track 11 is and he knows that that's what I'm going to play. It is like a, uh, what would you call that? Uh, it's a hidden track. It's, I guess it's kind of a hidden track, but it's, it's also an outtakes. It's an outtakes track of every time it's that the goofs. He was trying to record and screwed up and ended up swearing like a sailor and saying poop over and over and over again. And after Wait, does he actually say poop? He does. Okay. He says poop. Uh, so I got to the end of this album listening to all his songs. Uh, great songs, great recording quality. This stuff started playing, and I'm like, this is what I'm playing on the podcast. <laughs> maybe that makes me an a-hole. It does. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Donnie's going to get a big kick out of this. Uh, you guys should go track down his other songs. Uh, if you like this. So anyways, here's the call from Co and the song track 11 titled TDS SAP. Enjoy guys. See you next week. Hello, Ryan and or Steve. This is Co Schneider. Uh, 
just call on to apologize on behalf of all of the 60 cycle hummers, humsters, humcasters, whatever it is we call ourselves, these us listeners of this audio gold that you guys produce. We will submit more songs. We will submit songs before you guys record the episode so you know what you're going to play. Really enjoyed the selections lately, even though you didn't know what they were. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Where the preacher said if I go to... Oh, shit. Preacher said if I go to church on Sunday's got a one-shot bottle that can save my soul. Now act me a Martin... Fuck. Rock and roll, take 969. Blah. not the same without you here by my side oh my god it does not be just anywhere i know it is i'm just getting thrown because we keep doing it over and over again Shit. Ah! ain't no way tonight i'm gonna find a way to sleep guess i'll just get up and make Another cup of coffee. Okay, I gotta stop. Because I'm just gonna get up and make. Sounds like I'm gonna go up and poop. (laughs) 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 I was supposed to say drink, and I said make. (laughs) My second lyric is make me. (laughs) Shit! Poop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Poop.